0: Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is, of course, this marvelous story of our Lord's entrance into the city of Jerusalem, something they had waited for for thousands of years. It was, of course, the day when he was going to come, not just to bring peace but also to be an agent of war we're going to sing a hymn at the very end of our service it has the first stanza going like this the son of god goes forth to war a king kingly crown to gain his blood-stained banner streams afar who follows in his train Who best can drink his cup of woe, triumphant o'er the pain, who patient bears his cross below, he follows in his train. Do you ever feel as though God is at war with you? Have you ever wondered whether or not there is something that God is doing to you in your life for which he is angry with you and maybe punishing you? Maybe the person who gets cancer, who wonders if God is punishing him. It might be the person who lost their job, and they're wondering whether or not this has something to do with the will of God. It might be somebody who has experienced great division and trial and hardship in their family, and they wonder where it is that the justice is and where it is to be found. It oftentimes feels as though if we look at our lives, If we look at the things that we have done, we wonder whether or not God is at war with us. Sylvie and I have been watching a series by PBS on the war in Vietnam. It was interesting that one of the men felt that he had done some very terrible things while he was in that war, but he was being given permission to leave and as he got onto his airplane and the Viet Cong were bombing the airfields, he said to himself, God is now catching up with me. He's going to punish me for what it is that I have done. Well, we have lots of things where we might think that our God is at war with us. But our Lord, when he came, he came, yes indeed, to fight a war. It's not the kind of war that we might expect. It was a different way of being able to conduct his warfare. If we look at what it is that warfare is, We can look at it from a human point of view, like in Vietnam. Warfare usually means that we have brought together a large number of people who have united in a common effort to win this war. If it is a legitimate war, there's always a purpose or a reason that is articulated for that war. That was the case, of course, in Vietnam. We believed that we were going to be stopping communism. It was spreading. We heard about the domino theory. It was necessary for us to be there in order to prove that we were not going to lose against the spread of communism in the world. And of course, wherever there is a war and wherever there is a purpose, there's also got to be an enemy. And the enemy would be the Viet Cong, the enemy would be the North Koreans or North Vietnamese. Maybe the enemy actually behind every enemy was both China and also the Soviet Union but you need to define who your enemy is if you're going to go to war in some respects warfare is something that we're quite attracted to because it seems as though it's a bit of an antidote for what ails us as a society we are a people so often divided with all kinds of different ideas and ideologies and philosophies of life That when finally it seems as though this is now a time for us to gather together that we would unite and become one once again for a purposeless society and we have to watch that within our culture today for it is a kind of a purposeless society with its materialism and its use of drugs and all the other things that go along with a purposeless society. It seems as though now we can together come together for a great cause, if we could but defeat something, if we could but bring about some good in the world by uniting, yes, that would be great. And of course, that common enemy in spite of all of our anguish and all of our problems and all of our trials, if we could, could but have just an enemy, then we can always cast all our faults and blames on the other one rather than on ourself. It seems like such a good thing to go to war. Yeah? If we could come together as a country and a nation and undertake a just cause and win a great victory over an enemy, what could be more fulfilling than that? But when it comes to human wars, and we're seeing all kinds of them, wars on women, wars on men, wars on guns, wars on everything, the country always comes together for a war. But in the end, human wars always end in the same way. There's never really any victory, is there? Because in the end, war always brings about the destruction of people and properties and lives. War is always something that no matter how noble it might be, there's always somebody there with greed and there's always somebody who has a different agenda and it is almost impossible to ever achieve the so-called noble purpose that we pursue. And of course, the enemy that we kill and destroy out there suddenly appears here and it's a different one tomorrow and the enemy is also within our midst and the enemy is always also in here that's human warfare and when we hear that Jesus has come for the purpose of going to war it makes us wonder whether or not this is a good and noble thing at all how does it affect us when we realize that Jesus has come to fight a major battle which is far more significant than any human battle. Our text shows us things that Jesus did which were common to somebody going to war. He recruited his disciples, didn't he? That they would come and follow with him. And of course, he even requisitioned the old-time jeep. He requisitioned a donkey. We find that Jesus had a very clear and defined purpose. It's read about, we read about it in Luke chapter 18. Jesus said to his disciples, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. He said to his disciples as well, whoever loses his life for me will save it. His goal, his purpose, was to save your and my life. He said from the cross, Father, forgive them. And he meant not just them, he also meant you and me, and that's why he was on that cross. And his purpose is reflected in the words that he spoke at the tomb of Lazarus, John 11. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he had some very identifiable enemies, didn't he? The two great enemies that he had to face were the devil and death. In Hebrews chapter 2, It says, since the children shared in flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That devil brings the fear of death, and that makes us slaves, and he came to destroy all of it. He, of course, also came to destroy the product of the devil, which he said were the devil's lies. But we see that he fought his war not in the way that we fight our war, but rather in a very different way. He did not, as he rode upon that donkey, come with earthly power. He could have summoned his angels, he says, ten legions, If we look back in history, one angel killed 165,000 of Sennacherib's men. How about 10 legions of angels? But no, he chose not to have anybody else fight. He chose himself to fight alone, and he did it in the weakness of the word of God. It was, of course, the symbol of the donkey was his humility, his willingness to come without weapons of power, but rather only with the power of God's word, not with an army, all by himself. He came not to crush death as though somehow there would be some infusion of energy and the rest of us could all live on for countless ages as though we were immortal, He came not to crush death. He came to be crushed by death, a vastly different way of destroying the devil and death itself. So now comes the question, who follows in his train? How is it, whether we like it or not, We are and we will always be involved in spiritual warfare if we are to follow in his train. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians. He said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Oh, if we but understood the great dangers that our soul might face without him. But unlike the wars of men and angels, we must not rely upon anything other than him. He fought alone. Only he had the power to be able to destroy our enemies of devil and death. Death, you have to admit, is far more powerful than we are, is it not? Who can resist it? It comes at us, and we are always going to have to face it. The devil is vastly superior both in knowledge and in power to us, and... Well, like he said to Peter, the devil wants to have you that he might sift you like wheat and that he would do if he had full access to you. But to follow in his train is to rely and to trust on Christ to destroy them both. And so as a result, he and he alone is the one who can bring us true and lasting peace. His victory was complete i talked to somebody yesterday who was worried that they were being subjected to the devil's power in temptation what do you suppose i said the devil has no power over god's children his power is to accuse the conscience His power is to create the fear of death. And it is Christ who has gained for us a forgiveness at that cross and he has no right whatsoever to afflict our conscience. He has no right to make us afraid of death because when Christ came forth out of that tomb on that third day, he destroyed the power of death, the seal that was placed upon that tomb which holds us in and from which we cannot escape that seal has been broken because when he came out of the grave he also brought forth the power to be able to destroy death in us and to open up our own tombs and upon that last day when he comes once again we will find that that final trumpet call will open up every one of our graves and give unto us the gift of everlasting life so when you feel as though Maybe God is at war with you. When those things are not going right, when it seems as though perhaps God has forsaken you or you feel as though what you have done has brought about God's wrath towards you, you remember that in Christ all sins have been forgiven, the devil and death have been conquered in him. And in those words of Jesus, find this peace from his war. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. May the peace of God rule your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.